So are we ready for the second and final point for the evening? Are we ready for the second point? I'm sure we've already written so much from the first point already. <laughs> right? So um, I think last week we took two points as well. So we'll take one more point tonight. And then we'll call it a night. All right, for the second point. For the second point. Write this down. Look at your work as an expression of worship to God. Look at your work as an expression of worship to God. And there's two scriptures that we're going to use to anchor the statement. And then we'll begin to unpack it, right? The first scripture is from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 23 to 24. And it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I'll read that again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 24. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 to 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The second scripture for this second point. This is from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verse 5. And we're going to pack this just a little bit. And then I'll take us a bit into history, right? So Genesis 22, verse 5 says, Abraham said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. That over there is the mountaintop. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham was saying that in, in going up to the mountain to lay his son Isaac on the altar of sacrifice, he was going to worship. Most of the time, when we hear worship, we think of singing and praises, true or false people. And it's not a trick question. I'm not trying to belittle anyone. I'm just asking a genuine question. When we hear the word worship, most of the time we think of slow singing music, right? Hallowed be your name, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. That is a form of worship, right? It's an expression of worship, especially if the words that are coming out of our mouth mirror the state and reality of our heart. Because words only have meaning when the heart is in alignment, right? Most of the time when we hear worship, we think of singing, which is just one expression of worship. But we see here in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verse 5, that Abraham was going up the mountain to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. And he was describing this as worship. That word worship there 
is the Hebrew word shaha. Shaha. S-H-A-C-H-A-H. Shaha. And listen, everything that has been said here, I want us to be Bereans and go do our own personal research and study, etc., etc. The word worship that was used in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verse 5, is the Hebrew word shaha. And even though it is translated in English as worship, the literal translation of the word shaha means to bow down or to prostrate oneself. Now, let me ask us if we can read. What does that mean when they describe worship to be bowing down or prostrating oneself? What does it mean? Who can tell me? God bless you, faithful submission. Submission, submission, submission. Someone said surrender, indeed, submission. To worship. When Jesus Christ said, Father, if it is thy will, let this cup pass over me, but not your will, not my will, but yours be done. That was worship. Because in that moment, he surrendered his own idea. He surrendered the, his, the cravings of his own flesh. He surrendered his own will, that the will of God might be lifted up. That was worship. You cannot separate worship from obedience. You cannot separate obedience from submitting to God. And I'm sure by now you can see how all the things we've been talking about is all connected. To worship is to submit. To submit is to obey. So the worship was not in the fact that Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. What was the worship? I'm asking. What was the worship? What was the worship indeed faithful? He obeyed. He obeyed. He obeyed. That was the worship. God said, go do this. And in doing that, God was worshipped. When God told Noah and Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh, and go and declare these words against them. When he was going a different route, he wasn't worshipping. The moment he began to go towards Nineveh, that was when worship was happening. The moment he was prophesying the oracles of God to Nineveh, worship was happening. Because to worship is to submit. To submit is to obey. That what you are doing is in submission to God's will over your life. This is worship. Whether it's in prayer, whether it's in singing, whether it's in fasting or studying the word, whether it's how you love your child or your spouse or your parent, whether it's how you treat your work, worship is an act carried out in submission to God's will. And you can write that down. Worship is an act carried out in submission to God's will. 
Worship is an act. It is always an act. It is an act carried out in submission to God's will. So Paul was teaching that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a result, as, as, as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I recently watched an interview of um, Apostle Bensini Dahosa with Pa Elton. And he was asking him some questions. And when I look at that interview, and you might think, oh, what kind of silly question is this, right? But in that time, when that question was asked, it was a very big deal. And looking at how Bensini Dahosa looked at that time, this was probably in the 1970s. And he asked Pa Elton, he said, is there anything wrong with television? Elton said, how can there be anything wrong with television? Everything that God created is supposed to be used. Satan doesn't own anything. We're supposed to use this same television to conquer territories for God. And this was a time when the Deeper Life movement was very strong, which was a product of the SU movement. And of course, for those who are familiar with Deeper Life, especially back then, it was... Television was outlawed. How many of us know of this? Television was actually out. I mean, my grandma was a deeper life, you know, so I spent a period of time in deeper life. So I have some, some personal knowledge of, of deeper life, right? I, I, you know, because of my grandmother. So I, I, I'm speaking from personal experience, right? Television was outlawed, you know, except when we're watching the pastor preaching. And I'm not saying this as a mockery. For those who might confuse that, just a fact, right? Bensi Dausa was asking Pyelton, is anything wrong with radio? He said, no. The radio wasn't created by the devil. Is it being used by the devil? Yes. But the devil doesn't own it. It should, its, it's original intent is to express the will, nature, and mind of God. And I'm saying that to say that every single vocation upon the face of the earth is meant to do the same. Whether you are a YouTuber, whether you are a social media influencer, whether you are a footballer, whether you are a dancer, whether you are an artist, whether you are a lawyer, a banker, a cook, an accountant, a real estate contractor, an architect, an engineer. Because these engineers, that built atomic bombs that killed thousands of people in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, true or false, is engineers. Engineers whose craft was not submitted to God's will. And the knowledge that was given to them for the progression of life was used for the destruction of life. As a matter of fact, the knowledge that made them able to create the atomic bomb was from Albert Einstein's formula that wasn't intended to destroy people, but actually promote life 
and creates free and accessible energy for everyone. But they took that in submission to the will of the serpent and they created things that destroyed life. This is what happens when the works of our hands, our vocations, are not submitted to God's will. And God wants to change that, especially in our generation, where the different vocation and fields of work in their different ways express the glory of God. And this is not something that is new. It is something that has actually been done before. Would you guys like a story in history? Would you guys like a story in history? Hmm? Yes, please. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Once upon a time in medieval Europe, and I want us to do our own personal research on this as well. In medieval Europe, we had something known as guilds. Guilds of those days would be likened onto trade unions of our present day and age. The only difference between guilds of those days and trade unions of these days is that trade unions are mostly political thoughts, right? For example, we have MC Oluomo in, in Nigeria, and he has the trade union for all these people who manage um, all these motor parks and so on and so forth. And whenever they want to cause chaos, they will pay them money and they will do all this kind of stuff and everything and everything. Back then, the guilds were not so. The guilds were majorly broken down into two major factions. We had the merchant guild and we had the craft guilds. The merchant guilds involved people with all kinds of trade, whether the trade of, of cotton, the trade of silk, the trade of spices, the trade of minerals, even the trade of people. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. Indeed, even the trade of people, right? And the craft guilds dealt with people who were craftsmen, the bakers, the shoemakers, the artisans, the sculptors, the painters, the everything that involves crafting were the craft guilds. And they formed a community of people, especially in medieval Europe, where they believed that their worksmanship was a worship unto God. And their guilds, that is their merchant guilds or craft guilds, who have a guild master who was also like a bishop and an, or an apostle to that particular trade or craft who would teach them the ways of God, the statutes of God, the principle of God, and how it can uniquely express itself in their craft. As a matter of fact, back then, the guilds of those days would meet in the church as often as two to three times a week. The church was actually the foundation of everything that they did. And it was mandatory for them to be a part of every religious procession whatsoever. And they considered their craft so much of a worship 
that if they find out that you charge a person $1 above what they were supposed to be charged, either they will find you or they will excommunicate you. If they find out that you used inferior goods to create your, whether clothes or shoe or be- look at Nigeria. How many of us have gone house hunting in Lagos? Have you seen the state of houses that they are selling or renting for two, three, four, five million naira? It's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. You get a house, you are paid four million, you probably spend another 800,000 fixing all the things that you're not doing in that house. After you have paid your money, after all the artisans have been paid their money, in those days, it was on head off. It was on head off. It, it was on head off. You don't even have to pursue the contractor to do. No, 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 no. The guild master, his integrity is so much so that he will make sure that that work is up to par. Because for them, it wasn't just man they were serving. Paul said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Have you seen the craftsmanship of medieval Europe? Have you seen the craftsmanship of the Renaissance era? Have you seen it? 600, 700 years later, we're still looking at it in awe. It's impeccable is impeccable. You look at it and all you see is blood, sweat, and tears. You know how they say Amala is not sweet until sweat is involved? (laughs) You know when you're holding something that sweat has entered inside. You know this is sweat in your hand. True or false? When you hold something that sweat produced, you know. No one has to tell you. You fear we won't catch it, we won't price it because you're holding it. The texture, ah, you know. From their leather watch to their garments to their stitches, there were some clothing that they made that are even lost in history. Go and research about what is called Tyrian purple or vermilion red. I'll write it down for us. Tyrian purple and vermilion red. We don't have those colors anymore. Tyrian purple, for example, was a dye that was from Tyre. That's why you have the word Tyrian purple. They made that dye from snails. They have to catch so many snails in order to to mash the shell, mix it with some certain chemicals in order to get that particular purple. When they put that purple on a garment, 15, 20, 30 years, it's still rich and purple. Some of us, it just will everywhere. You just wash it three or two or three times. The color has gone. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? The clothes were different. The fabric was different. The shoes were different. The weapons were different. The homes were different. Nigeria, you're, you live in a house. Just one year, you look at the wall. 
there's already crack on it. In 2022, where we have, we are exposed to all matter of mathematics and sciences, there's crack on a house that was built two years ago. But you see some buildings that was made in medieval Europe 700 years ago, 800 years ago, and it's still standing strong. The great philosopher Plato spoke about the pyramid of Egypt over 2,500 years ago. And he said, that pyramid is so old, we don't even know when it was built. He said that 2,500 years ago, that is so old, he does not even know when it was built. And we're here, it's still standing without a drop of cement inside of it. There's not one cement in that pyramid in Egypt. Not one drop of cement. There's no metal rod. And it's still standing strong. How? Is worship. Is worship. Is worship. Is worship. They looked at their craft as worship unto God. And to make something mediocre to a man is to make something mediocre unto God. Because God has taught them how to see their service beyond just the man in front of you. That's why, for example, people always give themselves names in association with God. Oluwa Tomisi, Chiebuka, Chukuemeka, Tamuno, so that we can all be reminded that every single person is a gateway to God. And in engaging every single person, you're engaging God. And even just I said it. He said, if you are, how did he have that scripture go? He talked about how, he said, on that day, on that day, I will tell you that you, so he said that the king at the final day, he will reject those because when he was hungry, they didn't clothe him. They didn't feed him. When he was naked, they didn't clothe him. And when he was without shelter, they didn't house him. And then they will ask, oh, Lord, when did we see you? And we did not clothe you, feed you, or give you shelter. And the king said, inasmuch as you did not give this to the least of your brethren, you did not give it to me. Because every single man around us is an extension of God. And if you cannot have honor and reverence for men that you can see, how can you have honor and reverence for God that you can see? So if you think you're just working for your boss, you better think again. Think again. Paul said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Not for human masters. Do it for the Lord. Some of us, the moment we don't feel appreciated, we don't feel like anyone is seeing us, we abandon what it is that we're doing. Oh, this person did not appreciate it. Oh, this person didn't value it. Oh, this person. And we abandon the work that God has called us to do. Even I myself, I found myself guilty of this in so many ways. 
That God asked me to do this, but because I didn't feel it was valued, I didn't feel motivated or inspired to continue or to do it as I should. Because I forgot that my work is unto God and not man. That was the mindset they had at that time in the church. Their craft, their trade was a worship unto God. And it was so deep for them that if one of their members cheats you, they as a guild will pay what a person pay for what a person did, and then they will deal with that person in-house. That's how much that that that, that integrity was so important to them. That if it was heard that one of their members scammed somebody, it's not just that particular member, it's all of them. And they will, as a community, go and pay for that scam. And they will deal with him in-house. You don't have to pursue any of them. No, 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 no. When they make the clothes, they will make it. When they make the shoes, they will make it. When they build the house, they will build it. Do you know what it means to build a cathedral for 70 years? That's three generations. And each generation picked up the mantle and continued it. When there was no cement, there was no metal rod. Worship. 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 You need to look at your craft as worship unto God as worship and how in every way it can express all the attributes of God. You enter one of those cathedrals, one of those buildings, oh, slap you in the face. You'll be struck. And it was one of the ways they converted many people back then. Once they enter into the cathedral, my God, I'm not a mathematician. I am not an art curator. But I know what I'm seeing is glory. I don't know how it came from, but where it came from, that's where I want to go to. Because the spirit that can lead them to make something like this, that's the spirit I, I, I need to know in my life. Does your work say that? Does your craft say that? Does it say that? Are you doing further research to have Better ideas, how to improve what it is you're doing, how to be even better at what you're doing. That anyone who sees it and glory, 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 glory. When you see something that is great, there is that glory that happens inside of you to whatever is your God. And those of us who have experienced this know what I'm talking about. Once you see something that is truly great, glory comes out of you. Paul said, we live to be a praise unto our God. That the moment people see us and what we do, it, it provokes praise to come out of them. It provokes praise. It provokes praise unto God or wherever this thing came from because of because of something that was done in the spirit of worship. In the spirit of worship. 
You look at the Bible. Many people don't know that the Bible is not just a book of wisdom, but is one of the most sophisticated pieces of art in all existence. First of all, every letter in the Hebrew alphabet symbolizes a particular character, whether a stone, a door, a sword, a house, and every single alphabet also symbolizes a number. So when you read one sentence in the Bible, every letter in that sentence has its own individual meaning that is being communicated there. Every word in that sentence has its own individual meaning that is communicating there. Every sentence has its own individual meaning that is communicating. Every paragraph has its own individual meaning. Every page has its own individual meaning. Before it's not woven into a story. There are layers and layers and layers and layers of aesthetic built upon the functional wisdom of that book. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? There are layers and layers and layers and layers of aesthetic. Because I'm sure you know that all the stories in the Bible are aesthetic that encapsulates functional wisdom. But even the aesthetic is functional. That's how you know someone who's, they are are masters at their craft. is aesthetically pleasing, but it does not compromise on function in any way. Of what value is food that is colorful and beautiful to the eyes, but you taste it and you want to spit it out. Worship. Have you seen the original translation of the Bible? Have you seen them? Those ones that were hand-scribed by the, by the original scribes in the, in the medieval church. Have you seen the calligraphy? Have you, have, you, have you actually seen it? If you've not seen it, go and see it. Blood, sweat, and tears. Once you look at it, blood, sweat, you fear will catch you. There's no how. You will not respect this. You will be afraid to just touch it anyhow. Blood, sweat, and tears. Detail. Detail. They did not compromise. Zero. They said this work is to be perfected. I don't care what it will cost. This is, yes, I know that someone has contracted me and paid me a salary. But listen, I don't work for a salary. I work for my God. I don't work for a salary. I work for my God. I work for my God. And yes, I know you want to pay me this. But what you have to pay me is nothing compared to the inheritance that I have in Christ. So therefore, I can't pay you this. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Do you guys understand me? Worship. Yeah. Worship. 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 
a simple example. Those of us that are here, a great majority of us, it's not from Instagram that you found me. Is that not where you initially found me? Whether you saw someone posted this or they posted that, is that not where you found me? Imagine if I looked at Instagram and said, this nonsense is trivial. Oh, it's really valuable when I have a big auditorium. That's when I'll be serious. Imagine if the work was approached that way. Some of you, it's not even the message that caught you, probably the graphics and how captivating it was. And after the graphics captivated you, then you looked at the message. True or false? If I said, oh, it's just WhatsApp, it's just Telegram, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything until I have auditorial. If it was treated that way, we will not be here. And some of us are in different places that God has called us to serve, whether ministry-wise or occupational-wise. And we're looking down on it because it has not taken comforts. And we treat it trivial. But it's so easy to give excuses and abandon what we have started. How can we become anything substantial? How? Worship. 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 When you see something that is of true substance quality, worship. Oftentimes, probably towards the person that did it, only for them to now be directed to God. So it's God. Worship content. When you see some crafts work, some, some beautiful craft, crafted, beautifully crafted things, worship just comes out. The person has to remind you it's God that gave the inspiration. You look at the sculptors of Michelangelo. You guys are saying my microphone, is it muffled? You guys can hear me? Can you guys hear me? Someone is saying my microphone is muffled. We can. You... It was just, yes. We can hear you okay. now. It was three squish, squish, squish. Okay, awesome. 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 Worship. Everything that we are doing, treat it as worship. No matter how seemingly insignificant it is, no matter how seemingly insignificant it is. So the other day I prayed for Ingala. Every day that girl makes sure that she reminds everyone to wake up for prayer. I'll ask us to do this. Let's, if God leads you, send her a message. Ask her for her account. Bless in Gala with whatever God puts in your heart. And I mean this. Send a message to in Gala. Ask her for her bank details. Bless her. Allow yourself to be a channel 
of the reward of God for that act of diligence. For the past months, every day, every day she puts it upon us. I didn't ask her to do it. I didn't ask her to do it. I did it. She saw a vacuum and she filled it and she stayed there. And she made sure that every day, every day, she will remind community to pray. Send her a private message. Ask her for a bath. Even if it's 2,000 naira you sent to that girl, do so. Send her a message. Ask her for a bank account. Bless her. Do so. It's not a little things. It's not a little things. It's not a little things. It's in a little things. It's in a little things. Do you guys hear? Start now. Treat what you are doing as worship. As worship. Do you think there's a worship team got to where he was? If in some way or form, he did not consider his craft to be an act of worship. You can't produce that level of excellence if you're not doing something beyond yourself. It has to be. You cannot be that great if you're just self-serving. It's not possible. You have to, it has to be something beyond you that moves you. It has to be. And many years later, people will testify of the great things that you do. Do you guys hear me? They will testify. They will testify. They will testify. And they will give thanks to God. But ah, as this person entered here, there was a difference. Just your approach, your heart, your spirit towards this thing, there was a difference. And they say, ah, you're, you're, such, you're such a good staff, you're such a good worker. And you tell them, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. But you know, you know that we don't work for human masters. Even though we work through them, but the person that we're working for is God. And we never allow ourselves to forget this. We are working for God. For God. For God. No matter the craft. Are you a YouTuber? Worship. Are you a dancer? Worship. Have you ever seen a video of someone who their dance is worship. Have you ever seen it before? That you see the way they move. They can be in the midst of five people, but them, that particular person, you can't miss them. Have you ever seen that before? Have you ever seen it before? In a group of five dancers, you just see that one person, that grace is upon them. Have you guys seen it before? You guys have never seen it before? I'm asking. Out of five people dancing, 
you just see that one person. Ah, this one is different. I believe Michael Jackson, for his last tour before he died, I believe he interviewed about 10,000 or so dancers and he picked only 10. You must understand. You must understand. He was looking for worshipers. He was looking. He was looking for them. They will stand out. They will stand out always. 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 Always they will stand out. It's always different. That put their all into what they're doing. You will know. No one has to tell you who sings. A singer who is beyond just talent, but pure work, passion, and worship, you will know. There's no other way. And God wants to bring all this back. But we don't compromise on anything. We don't compromise on aesthetic. And we don't compromise on function. Because oftentimes it's one or the other. We are very aesthetical. But the true function of God, of the spirit, of the laws of, of God, they are abandoned. Or we are very functional. But there's no aesthetic. We are lazy for other things. Hmm? Imagine if all those evangelicals didn't invest millions of dollars in mass media. Would many people have heard the gospel? How would this have happened? How? In creating TV networks, some of them even have satellites. They're not saying that everything they have done is perfect. But would they have had that reach that they would have had if they were not intentional about their craft? If they didn't look at it as worship? Let these things inspire us. Let it drive us. Let it move us. Because this is what God is trying to achieve this time worshipers. I am looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. It's not about the one who can cry the most in church. That's what he's talking about. Those who can be submitted everywhere they go and in everything they do. Worship. 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 So that note, tonight's lecture has come to a holy end. And I hope that we have been given a lot to think about, to meditate on, to dwell on in regards to whatever it is that we are doing. Whatever it is that we are doing. So, people of God, at this point, I'd like to hear our thoughts, comments, questions.
on all that has been said. It is right now 11.21. I want us to be out of here latest 11.40. So latest, that's bad as bad. If before then, fine. So I would like to hear from us. Those of us who waste time, is when other people have raised their hand, you now raise your hand and you now miss your turn. Sorry. NK, go ahead, please. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much, El. Um, so, uh, when you started the the lecture, I was I was desperate for you to use another word apart from. Um, you kept saying substance, substance. I raised my hand a couple of times, but I figured it was distracting, so I put it back down because I I really wanted to know what you meant, but then um. I remember during the meditation, before the meditation class, you had said something about the spirit of something. Mm. So that I, I think the Holy Spirit just told me, oh, he, what he's talking about is the spirit of the instruction, the, the yes. reason for it and all that. And um, I also, um, during the foundation, Bible foundation class, mm. um, Esther said something, she said, God wants to be known even more than we want to know him. Mm. And everything just began to make sense. Everything, everything just began to make sense because um, I listened to a sermon this morning and, and the preacher was saying that when you begin to work with God, God knows your weaknesses. And so your, 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 he, he has tailored a unique, a unique training for you. And so you should not doctrinize a training that was personal you should personalize your training you shouldn't make it a doctrine and you should follow it as though it was specifically for you don't try to impose it on somebody else because god might be training you to be a preacher and training someone else to be a businessman but then you look at your other yes. person and scoff and be like oh no this is not the proper way you 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 might be leading some leading someone away from their destiny because you have a tailored, a uniquely tailored training for you. And if you don't follow suit with that training, if you don't seek to understand why these instructions have been given to you specifically, then you might miss the whole point of it because God actually wants you to come and ask why he wants you to do this because it just gives clarity to everything and at first i was worried about the fact that he said god wants you to come and ask because over the years i have um i have learned that you don't question god you don't everything just follow the will of god jump they said you just start walking on the staircase that god will just show you like that so it was it was a lot for me to take in and then when you said when you spoke to them this evening it just there was just a lot of clarity and everything. And um, there's just something also that struck me when he said, um, he said that when Abraham went to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac and God asked him to stop, that if God hadn't trained him, if he hadn't learned how to listen to God, he would have killed Isaac. And so you should never ignore whatever training that you are facing at the time because you will get stuck at some point. So every training is important for you and you should focus on what you are being trained on at the time. Don't be so focused on what is wrong based on your training. Thank you so much, Earl. I learned a lot today and I know that this, 
lecture was was for me. Thank you God so much. You. God bless you. You're so welcome. God bless you. So good. So so good. So so good. So so good. Faith Amino. Yeah, good evening. Good evening. Uh, thank you so much for the class. Um, I really learned. I really learned a lot, and it sort of gave me clarity. It, one thing you um, that, that I heard consistently was just following the path that God has set for us, and it resonated with me because I was raised in a very conservative environment. Um, you talked about deeper life, like the place the founder of deeper life came from was my church, so they are much more conservative than deeper life. So that's that's where I've been raised, and in my final year in school, it was like God was taking me on a journey that He needed me for a particular assignment. Which which is quite different from what I've known. So it was it was very scary to be honest because now it's like things that I know in my heart that they are not wrong, but according to my church doctrine is wrong and I have to do it. And you know, when like the church is your entire support system and you now have to sort of move away from that. So it was something I've always like struggled with, even though I know that God is telling me that, oh, this is where I want you to be. All these things that you're doing in line with what I need you to do is not wrong. I still find myself second guessing because it's like I'm the only one in this part at the moment. So like you um, explaining that and, you know, giving that light really, really helped a lot. And also when you talked about worship, I always find myself that when it comes to my own personal work, because I write. So I've been trying to be consistent with my blog for a long time. When it comes to my work, I am not consistent. I don't do it well. But when it comes to someone else's job, I will do it very well. I will meet with the deadlines. But I was always wondering why when it came to mine, I would drag and it just it made me understand that because I didn't have the perspective of worship, that if I know yes. that, yes, God has given me this gift and he needs me to use it for his glory, that I am not just doing it for myself. That blog is not just for me. It is a, it is for God. Like if I do it in worship, I would do it more, like I would be more intentional and I would be more excellent with it. Despite the fact that is my own personal job, so I really, really appreciate. And I, so I have a question. Um, when you talked about faith, you, um, sorry, asking God questions or not asking God questions. My question is, you know, there are times where I think a part in scripture, maybe something I've heard is like the king's business requires haste. So when God like so tells you something and you don't quite get what he's saying so i'm like is it that you would wait until you ask and it fully clarifies or you like start then in the process you ask and he as he keeps revealing you keep going as opposed to you don't even ask at all and just run so i, I don't know i just that's my question but thank you so much thank you so much You're welcome it's a very beautiful question you know um Sometimes, right? Let's say God tells you, get up and go to this part of the country or leave this friendship or leave this particular line of work, right? You might not have the full scope as to why he told you to do it. And you will say, because you don't have the full scope of why he asked you to do it, that you won't be, you won't 
make haste to obey him, right? Because of course, a lot of his instructions are very timely, right? But sometimes I don't need to understand in that moment the full scope of it. What I understand is heart. I know that his thought towards me are thoughts of peace to give me a hope and a future. And there's nothing that God would ask me to do that will leave me hopeless, that will leave me without a future, that will not lead to my good. So even though I don't know what this good looks like, even though I don't know what this future looks like, because I know his heart, I know that goodness, hope, and a future is lying on the other side of, a, of, a, of obeying God. So that's something I can say to you that I hope you can remember. When you know his heart, even if you don't have an interpretation of his heart for this particular situation, you know that this person means well for you. And that is enough for me to get up and obey. Eventually, the full details and particulars of his heart will be unveiled. But sometimes you don't need the particulars. You already know his heart. And you get up and you move. So that's all I'll say in relationship to that. Right. Yeah, thank you very much. God bless you. In Kirika, that's so awesome. She said, when you don't understand God's hand, trust his heart. And trust me, his hand sometimes they think I'll confuse somebody. <laughs> it can be a confusing something, huh? <laughs> but trust his heart. You know, like I said, my dog, when he first came, if I let me show you now, I'll carry him now. Look up. Look at him. I'm even dragging him on the floor. I'll carry him and bring him from the screen. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Louis, say hi to my friends. Say hello. Look at him. Before I carry him like this, he will be, he will be groundless. Why are you? Look at him. I'm even holding his mouth. Look at him. He's not complaining. Because initially, he didn't, he didn't know my hand. But now he has come to know my heart. So now, even if my hand does not agree with what he likes as a dog, he knows my heart. And now he's no longer upset. Even though he's biting me now, telling me, oh, leave me alone. You know? <laughs> yeah, come down. Come down. <laughs> He has been disturbing me the whole class. <laughs> you know, even if you don't know God's hand, we can trust his heart. And his heart is always for our goodwill, for our hope, for our future. That's always something to remember. And he will always allow us to obey God at any time. Right? So I hope that helps you, Faith, and anyone else who, who's because when we ask questions, and this is why it's important to, for us to always ask questions, because you never know that your question actually is not just for you, but for everyone else who has the same question, who is not able to articulate properly. So when you ask a question, you're not just helping yourself, you're also helping others as well. That's why it's so good to always ask questions, you know? So yeah, um, Finney asked a question briefly. He said, faith is not seeing the whole staircase or taking the first step. Doesn't this negate the scripture where Abraham saw ahead and so did Jesus also? Well, Finney, is this, this statement, is this scriptural or is this someone's interpretation of scripture? I'm asking. Huh? Is it scriptural? Uh, or is it's it not. someone's interpretation? Quotes yeah, that that answers it. Yeah, it's a quote. It's not scripture, right? So it's not scripture, right? It's not scripture because in faith, there is sight. But this, this, the statement is also true but true physically speaking, right? 
Faith is not seeing the whole staircase physically, but faith is seeing the whole staircase spiritually, right? Abraham saw everything in spirits. God told him, look at the stars, count the grains of sand on the earth. He saw everything in spirits, but physically he only saw his barren wife. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? He only saw his barren wife physically, but yet he trusted God. So that barren wife physically is the first step, even though you can't see the whole staircase physically. But with faith, God will show you everything in spirit. And then you have to allow what you have seen in spirit govern everything that you do in the flesh. That's the work of faith. I hope I did justice to your question, dear Finney. I hope it gave you clarity. Hmm? Yes, sir. Uh, I actually have, uh, I want to say thank you, first of all, to you and to, uh, I think it was Faith who uh, brought that up uh, regarding this particular question of uh, faith, because I remember when the Lord asked me, and the thing about my walk is when the instructions come, sometimes when there isn't a full understanding of what's in front, I still go ahead. But this distinction uh, between what you see spiritually as opposed to what you see physically. Because even right now, I'm in a place where I've been asking the Lord if I should persist in a particular instruction because wait till I didn't see for grand, not the match. Wait till God show me. And <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder, should I keep at it? Like, are you sure I haven't, you know, wasted time? Currently, uh, okay, like for... I left my previous job because before I started the job, I asked the Lord about it. He said, okay, it's for a specific time. And then there came a time where this, it was so strong on my heart, it was time to leave. But then, you know, talking with some brethren months after I left, I'm like, okay, you said God asked you to leave. Now you're not doing anything. When he asked you to leave, why didn't you ask him, okay, what next and all of that? And I felt very stupid in those moments when I couldn't answer. And uh, what you said about, you know, knowing that the person who has given this instruction has my best interest at heart, because even when he told me move to Lagos uh, some years ago, it wasn't entirely clear, but I knew that it was him. So um, I think at at the end of the day, um, that part about knowing that he really does care and he's not just going to leave you to yourself uh, just uh, that part was so profound for me and thank you for your explanation and to the person who asked the question and um, also I also learned from ah, something no, wow. someone said I learned from something someone said because um, that part where faith said something about uh, you know taking that which concerns other people seriously but not taking that which concerns yourself seriously and I, I took my sob there because uh, that is me. And I guess because I have not seen that part of, you know, taking myself seriously as worship to God, you know, in appreciation that you have put this inside of me and, you know, uh, honing this craft or doing this to the best of my ability is an expression of worship. So I just, you know, that, that really stuck with me. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It's well with you. It's well with you. And as your question, Let's talk privately, yeah? Because that question is too personal for me to give a generic answer, right? Because it seems to be something that is very, very tailored to you. And if I would give an answer, you can be misled, right? So it's, it's best to have a proper conversation on that. And, yeah. 
we see how to work the parts out. So yeah, it is well with you. So finally, we have joy. Joy, thought, comment, question. Hi. Um, Hello. My a question, oh. um, or rather, a a a, a, a provocation to comment on something. Okay. Um, as you were talking, I think. I started off, um, in my mind, I was understanding what you were talking about and everything, but in my heart, there were like moments of like um, feelings of regret um, because of memories of um, moments where, okay, God has instructed me or said something. And um, because it's so new, I okay yeah yeah feelings of, of regret for those moments um so my question around that was um or the question that formed around that or the thing I wanted you to comment on is when you're kind of learning a new not learning a new side of God but like you're experiencing something that is is kind of like a next step of like your experience of God and in those moments where um because the particular memories that were coming to mind were those moments where I'm kind of learning new things about God and like in, experiencing him in a, a way that I haven't before and the instruction that I get I, I am aware that sometimes you know it, I'm in a moment of being tested and other times I'm being learning discernment other times I'm literally like okay this is like instruction so I would love for you to comment around regret or like how to kind of approach memories or like when you reflect back on those moments um because one the one of the main memories that keeps coming to mind is a moment where um there was an instruction but I, I was also aware of the implications of that instruction so kind of similar to I guess the Abraham kind of thing and I kind of went for for like that instruction I did, did that instruction but at some point the how do I put it the harm that could be done by making that choice was more was kind of made clear to my eyes I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say <laughs> but, so, so but memories it's around regrets yeah regrets yeah. from disobedience is that what you're saying not disobedience, but like in the moments where you're learning, when you're when you're learning the nature, like when you're in a like in a point of learning. I'm trying to say it without actually like saying exactly. Um, Just give a random exact, example so I can um, understand because I'm actually struggling to understand the question. Okay. Random example, say, um, um, to do with like, say forgiveness, right? Say you have a um, have had an experience of a certain type of person, as an example, and um, you've God has made you aware of like, okay, these things are like um, 
this is how you kind of interpret this personality or in interaction. And so your say you get an instruction around learning to now see this personality from a different perspective and you're learning that you're going through that journey but at the same time you're aware of the fact that your mind is still in the process of coming out of that if that makes sense so it's like almost like a does is that example kind of making some sort of sense of like <laughs> let me see let me see does anyone have understand what does anyone understand what she's trying to say because i'm struggling to does anyone have an understanding maybe they can say it in another way Faith? hi i don't i don't know if this is what she means but i'm thinking it maybe a situation where God says do this, but you're like, you already can foresee the outcome. And so because of that, you kind of hesitate or you do it like, you now feel like by the time you eventually do it or do it halfway, the time has gone. And now there's like a bit of regret that, oh, maybe I should have trusted God more. I should have gone. I should have gone all the way. I don't know if that's what she means, but that's what I'm getting. Joy, is that what you're saying? um yes in a way yes but more so from the lens of like okay the instruction is an ongoing thing like the action responding to the, the act instruction is an ongoing thing as opposed to like a momentary action okay so 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 your question deals with regrets in the past when it wasn't done or what is the question exactly? <laughs> the question Try and say it in is, 10 seconds. Don't give me five minutes question. What's the question in 10 seconds? So the question is regret in whilst you're, you're acting out, you're living out that act of obedience. So you regret living out that act of, of obedience. No, I'm not regretting the act of obedience. I'm regretting the aspects that don't don't co- like are not corresponding with obedience as I'm I'm carrying that act of obedience out. Okay. Well, so it's not I'll like oh, one instruction like do this, but it's like a continuous thing. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll say, I mean. Our memories are a treasure trove of, you know, so many lessons, right? And I guess in, in looking at the, and this is me hoping that I'm answering your question because I'm, I, I, I hope I understand your question. So my challenge is not the inability to answer the question. My challenge is understanding. I'm not sure I understand it, but I'll try to answer from what I understand. And I will say that, Let the past failures or the present failures be lessons that will empower tomorrow's success. And I think that that's like, that encapsulates everything I want to say. Let the past and present failures be lessons that will help to empower tomorrow's 
success. So what you have discovered that you failed in today or you failed in yesterday, that should be a lesson for tomorrow. You know, ask yourself, why did I fail here? Why didn't I do so well? Because sometimes you spend a lot of time regretting, 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 and we don't end up learning from what happened. So your regret has been a waste of time. And even your failure was also a waste of time because you haven't learned anything from it. You haven't extracted any gold from it, right? So as opposed to spending some more time regretting, spend more time learning. That way you won't regret anything because now your failures have been turned into your most precious stones. You know, so I hope that answers your question. John? Yes, it's, it's useful to my question. Thank okay, you. Maybe you can try to articulate it, articulate it in the telegram. Sit down and try and write it out there. Maybe I can read it properly, right? All right, people. So awesome hearing every one of us. Um, God bless you. God bless you. And God bless every one of us. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that everything that we have deliberated on this night, God will bring it to our remembrance in such a way that we don't just remember intellectually, but we remember in our actions. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless every single one of us. Remember what was said earlier, message in Gala, you know, every one of us, even if it's 2,000 naira, or even if it's 100,000 naira, message her and ask her for a bank account and bless that girl, right? I'm saying this because it's something that God actually said to me in this time, so I'm actually speaking based on instruction. So if you believe that this is for you, go ahead and just do that. And it is well with every one of us, um, on that note, I bid us all a very blessed night. God bless you. God keep you. God cause his face to continually shine upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hesi, the instruction was to message in Gala and ask her for a bank account and bless her with some money, whatever God lays in your heart, right? And this, as a, this was said as a result of her diligence in every morning reminding everyone to pray and she has been diligent with that and it came in line with a particular point we're making in the, in the lecture so that was an offshoot of a particular point in the lecture so that's the instruction another note people god bless you until next time